You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 72 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Black Cat Manor. Black Cat Manor is a punk band from Freeport, Illinois. That's just two hours straight west of Chicago. Since their creation in 2013, Black Cat Manor has released three EPs, two music videos, and had a song featured on FX's American Horror Story Season 7, Episode 1. This is also the fourth time they have sponsored an episode of that one time on tour. And I want to say thank you guys so much for the support. This is one of my favorite bands that I've ever had on the show. Black Cat Manor is awesome and you guys need to check them out. You can get all the information on all the shows they're playing and all the links to all their socials and everything at blackcatmanorband.com. They're awesome. And I love you guys. And, uh, you guys need to check out Black Cat Manor. They are amazing. So here it is, their new single, Hammerclaw. Change 
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey, this is Trevor from a Wilhelm Scream, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour. Run for the gold, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bank tomorrow, we'll do it. We'll do it all again Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what's going on? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. If you didn't know, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a really cool conversation. Well, I mean, most of them have been pretty cool. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll have one that's not as cool. But uh, this week, it's a great conversation, man. I got to sit down with Trevor Riley from A Wilhelm Scream. I love A Wilhelm Scream so much. I've been listening to them since they were called Smack and Isaiah back in the day. And I just I had so much fun. We were supposed to do this chat 
a year ago when I went to do a chat with Stefan from The Descendants, but Stefan and I talked for such a long time that a Wilhelm scream was on stage when I was supposed to be talking to Trevor. So a year later, we get back on the phone and we had an awesome conversation and you guys are going to love it. Before I get to my conversation with Trevor, I need to do some housekeeping. Got to keep the lights on, man. You know, it costs money to keep this podcast going, and I have a lot of awesome sponsors that help me in that department. I need to tell you guys about the Merch Planet. They make shirts and stickers and everything, and they're they're probably... The quality is amazing, but they're probably like the most affordable merch company that I've ever seen. And if you listen to this podcast and you use the promo code TOTOT15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off. So you need to go over to themerchplanet.com and tell them that I sent you. Use our promo code TOTOT15. They're amazing and you will love it. And I am so appreciative for them for coming on this show and becoming a sponsor and helping us out. So thank you to the Merch Planet. Check them out. Permanence Tattoo Gallery. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. And I know some of you don't live in central Indiana, but you need to come here and you need to pay a visit to Jacob and all of the fine folks over at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. It's in Anderson, Indiana, downtown Anderson on Meridian Street. Check them out on all the socials. Permanence Tattoo Gallery. They're amazing. Check them out. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to Merge 4. We gave away some Merge 4 swag last week. It, it's not in the mail yet. I'm, I'm sending it out this week. I apologize to the patrons if they're waiting. But um, yeah, we give away stuff from our sponsors on the Patreon. So sign up over there and you could win some cool stuff. But if you'd like socks, and I'm talking like super comfortable socks that have like cool things from bands like the Circle Jerks and Foo Fighters and Sublime and all kinds of other crazy stuff, go to Merge4.com. Hit them up on the socials. Merge4. They are amazing. And you're going to love them. Tell them that I sent you. So that is all the sponsors that I need to tell you guys about. I told you about the Patreon. Check it out. Help us out. Support the show if you like it. If you think what we're doing is worth something, help us out. So the only other thing I really need to tell you about, I'm going to kind of keep this a little bit short. Check us out on all the socials at TOTOT Podcast. Um, I do want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine and, uh, Fellow podcaster, Dewey Halpus over at the Pure Pleasure Podcast. Uh, you know, he's on the same network. He's on Jabberjaw with us. And he was a big part of, you know, helping me get on Jabberjaw. And he's been a good mentor to me and kind of telling me, you know, things that I should do and things I shouldn't do. And and I've helped him out with some of his audio stuff and whatnot. And Dewey's just always been a great guy. And uh, he, his father, passed away this this past week. And uh, being someone who had my, my, my own father passed away back in 2005, and it's, it's the worst thing in the world, and I know how close Dewey was with his dad, and you know I was super, super close with my dad as well, and I just, I don't know, I, I, my heart goes out to Dewey and his family. I love Dewey, he's a great guy, and I, I wouldn't wish this kind of pain on my worst enemy, let alone somebody that I love like Dewey. So uh, if you guys are out there, hit up Dewey over at Peer Pleasure. They're on all the socials, you know. Listen to his show, man. Go, go help him out. Listen to, listen to all of his episodes. He's got some really killer episodes, and he couldn't be more like he's he's the best dude in the world. He's been on the sh- my show before, and uh, 
I don't know, man. I just want to send out love and, uh, I know it sucks, man. And, and it's horrible. And you know, we, you and I have texted back and forth and if you need anything, let me know. And to all my listeners out there, I know a lot of you probably listen to both of our shows, but you know, send him an email, send him, send him a message on social media, let him know that you're thinking of him. You know, when things like this happen, it's nice that, uh, this community that we kind of have for podcasting can, you know, at least send some kind of supporting words. So Dewey, man, I love you. And, uh, I hope you and your family are doing okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel for you, bro. And I'm sorry for your loss, but, uh, I'm going to get into my conversation now with uh trevor riley weird segue i know but i just want to do it and know that i'm thinking of him and i love him so uh yeah we're gonna get into my conversation right now trevor and i talked about all kinds of cool stuff talked about gear the songwriting process talked about when they were in the studio with bill stevenson from the descendants doing their first record mute print i mean we covered everything and i've been listening to this band i mean forever I remember when they were smacking Isaiah and I saw him in Canada when I was on the road. And then uh, when I was on Warp Tour with Brazil, we were playing the same stage that they were playing, the Smart Punk stage. And we talk about like their homecoming show in Massachusetts. And it was just amazing. This band is the real deal. They're hard workers. And God, their music is just so great. So I hope you guys will enjoy it. This is my conversation with the amazing Trevor Riley from A Wilhelm Scream. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Trevor from Wilhelm Scream. How are you doing today, Trevor? I'm great, Chris. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I've i met you before. I don't know if you actually remember it or not. Yes. <laughs> you do remember. I don't remember where, but I remember meeting you for sure. Okay, I do so know that I, I know that I know you. The first time <laughs> that I met you, and this probably doesn't, it might register, uh, I used to tour with a band called the reason actually they were called sewing with nancy before they were called the reason in canada and i oh, we, yeah. we played a show with you guys somewhere in ontario back before mute print was even out oh yeah for sure that was a long time ago i just remember getting back in Isaiah days yeah i remember getting that record man and it was just it kind of blew my mind i was always into punk but mixed with metal and you guys had such intricate guitars like it it was really great man i just i want to say thank oh. you for that <laughs> Oh, thanks, man. That's not, that's kind of you to say, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Love metal. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. <laughs> but I, the next time that I met you and I wanted to bring this up at the beginning and then we'll kind of do a deep dive. But, uh, yeah. I used to play bass for a band called Brazil. And before oh, I, play, yeah. before I played bass for them, I was actually their tour manager and on warp tour, I think it was 2004. We were on the smart punk stage with you guys. Oh, totally. And I just yeah. remember watching you guys every day and being blown away. But then when we got to the Massachusetts date, like your homecoming, it was the most yeah. amazing show I've ever seen in my life, man. Do you remember oh, that at all? <laughs> oh yeah. I'll never forget that. That was, that was, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a banner day. That's for sure. <laughs> I just, I remember me and uh, my buddy Eric from that band, we stood on the side of the speaker on the side of the stage and just watched the whole show. And like the crowd was just insane, man. Like, did you guys have a huge following at home and then like, you know, go out and try to, of course, every band tries to make it bigger all over the place. But what mm -hmm. was your following like at home there at the beginning? Well, uh, like back at the beginning, you know, where we come from, we come from a city called New Bedford in Massachusetts. And uh, we're like, we're pro the, like geographically, we're about it located like sort of like an hour in an hour's drive uh, south. 
And uh, we're sort of close to Providence, Rhode Island. That's where we'd go to see shows and stuff like that. And um, and it's funny because like even if you know we we you know we put on our own shows like you know, VFWs and stuff like that. And you know we we you know we'd promote it and you know you know a lot you know make our own flyers. You know you know like 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 most bands do. Yeah. And um, you know it it was always good. It was always a, you know we always had you know good good turnouts. You know for. You know, and I, I don't th- that that I don't think that was a reflection on how good we were or whatever. Like I think it was more of a reflection on where where we come from. You know, we come from a very um, artistic. You know, there's a lot of bands here. You know, it's very artistic. Uh, you know, very very nurturing kind of artistic sort of uh, sort of uh, place. You know what I mean? Like very, very everybody has always been really supportive, and you know, there's a long history of. Uh, of a lot of bands that, you know, kind of, you know, played a lot locally, you know, maybe not a lot of them kind of got out nationally, like, you know, sort of like we did, um, or whatever. But I think, I, I think, you know, that Warped Tour show in particular, I think that was just kind of like the sort of, um, you know, just people from where we're from, just being proud of us, you know, just being proud that, you know, we get, we get to kind of share the stage with, uh, so many awesome bands, you know, like yours and, you know, and, and all the other bands on Warped Tour, you know, that was, you know, but yeah, that's still, that still blew my mind, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just remember it was like the prodigal son's return. Like I, I remember it was, it was either talking to you or Nuno or someone and, and they're like, man, we just, we just hope it's going to be good when we get home. And then we got, I think that was the last date of the tour that year too. I'm not sure. But it, yeah. it was, man, it was massive. And I just, I just wanted to bring that up at the top because that's one of my greatest memories of seeing you guys live. And I've seen you guys live numerous times, but the, the funny thing is I've actually, when I first contacted you to be on this show, I didn't realize it, but it was a year ago because you guys were on tour with the descendants and yeah. I was, I was doing a podcast with Stefan and we were going to do a podcast, but I did like a two hour podcast with Stefan and everybody was already on stage. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Oh, Stefan's great. I, 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 and I, I listened to that podcast a couple of days ago and yeah, it was great. Uh, Stefan's, I mean, I got to say about Stefan, man, like for how, how like amazing he is as a guitarist, you know, and a musician and stuff. And he's also a great drummer. Um, as great as he is, man, like he's the, one of the most humble dudes, you know, like, like you wouldn't know when you're talking to him, you know, but he's like, yeah, I'd met him before. And like, we were kind of, I wouldn't say like best buddies, but like, I'll post a picture of my son holding a guitar and he'll like say, Oh, mini Swinney. Like he, like we, we were, <laughs> we were buddies, you know? And so, yeah. but still going into like backstage and sitting down with Stefan to have a conversation for an hour, I'm freaked out. I'm nervous. Cause like you, I'm sure the descendants just mean so much. I mean, they, Oh yeah. They're one of my bands, you know? So even knowing someone and then sitting down with them like that, still I was nervous and freaked out, but he makes you feel at ease right away. And I can imagine being on tour with him. You probably even get to go deeper, right? Oh yeah. He's so down to earth, you know, and just like, you know, all guitar, all, all all guitarists, you know, we kind of, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the base conversation is always gear. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like we, we, you can always bond on gear no matter what, you know? So we're kind of like, you know, he'll be setting up and I'll kind of, you know, take a peek. I'm like, Oh, what's that? Echoplex. He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we do a cover song here and there. I kind of bust out the Echoplex so I can get the, the, the police story guitar sound, you know, (laughs) good guitar effects and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but he's very down to earth guy. Um, all those guys, 
in the band. You know, I, we probably knew Bill. We knew Bill best because you guys have worked with him quite a bit over the years, right? Yeah, yeah. We did three records with him, and um, you know, yes, yeah, so we got to know him. You know, really, and you know, you know, quite a bit. You know, especially that first record we did because it was it was the least amount of time that we did with uh, the uh, Mute Print record, the, the the album you were referring to that that you first heard from us. Um, that record, it was like it was like boot camp, like, you know, going, you know, you know, like we're going off to going off to war or something, you know, like yeah. not to, you know, put a weird thing on it, but it was sort of like, you know, it was just Bill and Jason and us, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have the, you know, the, the extra, you know, the engineer, you know, the gang of engineers and everything at that point. Um, I think they probably got that after recording us. They said, Hey, maybe we need some more people on some of these <laughs> records, but yeah. But uh, yeah, it was like a, it was a real culture shock, not culture shock, but you know, it was, it was just a shock, you know, saying, whoa, uh, we're using a click track, a metronome, <laughs> holy shit, you know, and, and we, we probably spent 10 days at the blasting room at that to, to do that record, like mixing included. Wow. And we probably did like three days there and we didn't have any songs done. We're like, fuck dude. Like, you know, and you know, I know, I remember John and Nick, uh, John and Nick were we're tracking the bass and drums um, first and they were kind of doing it together. And at certain times, you know, Bill's like, man, you guys, sound, you guys sound like you're like, you're, you're two sneakers in a dryer, man. Like, you know, what's going <laughs> on? And it's like, Oh, this click track is just fucking us up. It's totally ruining our lives here and stuff like that. But, but really, I mean, for all of us that, that, that ran us real ragged. Cause it was like, you know, nonstop, you know, everybody was working like, 13 hour days, Bill, Bill and Jason would come in in shifts, you know, and we, it was just kind of like a 24 hour kind of crazy boot camp recording thing. But, um, at the same time, we knew that we were making something cool. You know, we, we knew that, you know, for us, it was, you know, and I feel, I feel like this about every record, new record we make, but, you know, it was the best, best thing we've done up until that point. And, you know, you know, you kind of fall in love with your songs, you know, you get, you know, they're like your babies. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like pacing around the studio, just looking at all these songs, you know, looking at this big blackboard full of song titles and saying, fuck, which one of my babies do I have to cut from this (laughs) session? You know what I mean? And, and I don't know, like at at one point it all clicked for us and we, and then all of a sudden we conquered the click track, you know, and we conquered, you know, you know, all the stress and stuff like that. And uh, we had a great time and really proud of, proud of, you know, what came out so knowing bill you know we got to know them real quick you know and real you know by being in the you know being on that you know you know when you do a record with somebody it's, it's kind of like you you're, you're creatively working on something and yeah. you're working towards a goal and then once you get once you, once you complete that goal then it's like wow you know everybody can sit back and be proud and just appreciate the memories. So I've met Bill before. He's a great guy. I've never worked in the studio with Bill as a producer. I know he's got a great musical mind. I mean, I've talked to him about music quite a bit, but what was his role as producer? Was he telling you guys maybe, you know, only do that part twice? Like, like what was his role as far as producing the songs on that first record? Well, it's interesting in that record. And it was probably because of the amount of time that we had and the ambition of what we were trying to do in the songs, you know? um, I mean, they're, they're pretty busy. (laughs) Yeah. They're real busy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're definitely, um, uh, probably reaching, reaching past our, 
ability level, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, to, a certain, you. to a certain degree, you know what I mean? So I never really, you know, we never really got to there, you know, it was always kind of like, I remember when he, when he first heard the cassette demos that I had sent to him, he was like, he was like, man, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but all I know is I think it's cool. It's like Iron Maiden 78. Let's do this thing, you know? And I'm like, okay. And then I think through, throughout that whole thing, um, you know, we we're all just kind of learning, you know, he, he was learning about us and learning how the songs went, you know? Yeah. So I feel like maybe, I feel like maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't in a position to say, Hey, maybe we play that, that part again, because, because in a lot of these songs, I mean, I'm playing one thing once and that's the only time you're playing it. You it know doesn't I mean? seem like you guys had a lot of pre-production time if you were just in there for 10 days, right? Yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah not at all. That's another thing. You know, the, the, the timing was very, you know, we get in there. I think we maybe jammed. I think we maybe jammed like one or two days. We got a chance to go in the B room and just kind of, you know, try to get that last session in. But that was, you know, late at night kind of a thing. And then, you know, you know, they show up the, the next day in the morning. You know, so I've never, and I, I think after that record, you know, Bill was fired like, wow, okay, that's how these songs go. You know what I mean? But I think, I think for a lot of it, it was just, it was probably just confusion, you know, like what, yeah. the hell, what, what, what are these guys doing? You know, like the, you're, you know, you're only playing, you know, maybe, maybe in hindsight he could have, you know, if we had a lot of production, maybe he would have said, Hey, you know what, maybe play that again. And maybe people will, you know, will really <laughs> like this song a lot more, or something, yeah. you know, but, um, it never, and, and, you know, it never kind of got to that because, you know, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just a crazy experience. And, and honestly, like even, even the, the next two albums that we did, there wasn't a lot of that on that either. We just kind of went, we just kind of approached it pretty much the same way of Muprint. Hey, this is Chris from that one time on tour. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you're in a band or know someone who is. One of the biggest problems facing bands is finding affordable, high-quality merchandise. Well, not anymore. The Merch Planet offers soft, high-end quality shirts starting as low as $6 a piece. And right now, they are offering 15% off your first order to all TOTOT listeners. They have lightning fast turnarounds and ship everywhere throughout the U.S. and Canada. Head on over to themerchplanet.com and use the promo code TOTOT15 at checkout. You'll be glad you did. You know, I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, if you guys, you know, were under the gun on that first one, even if the, you know, the budgets were bigger or whatever, if it, yeah. se it seemed like that's the way you guys do it and that's what worked. So Bill probably just said, yeah, let's go for it, man. You guys know what you're doing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, th I think that is kind of how it went because, you know, it was probably like five days into the session where he didn't know how these songs were put together, you know, because a lot of them are, you know, they're a lot of them are weird. You know, a lot of our, you know, they're still, they're still like punk song. You they're know, they're cohesive, but it seems like there's so many parts. I, I know what you're saying. It's almost like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, you know, he, I remember it was probably day five on mute print and, and uh, he's recording Nuno uh, singing and, and he's like, so uh, Nuno, uh, how is this, how is this supposed to go? And Nuno's like, I don't know. Ask Trev. He's like, what do you mean? Ask Trev. Who's Trev? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, oh, he's the freaking quiet guy over there in the corner. And then, and then that's when I really got to know Bill because Bill was asking, you know, 
Bill didn't know that I wrote the music and, and, you know, the lion's share of the lyrics and stuff. Yeah. Um, so like when, you know, then our, our relationship, our working relationship kind of developed from that point on, you know, and it, you know, in a bigger way where, you know, I was sitting in on every session, you know, just to, to clarify or to, you know, I, you know, and I wanted him to do his job, you know, like, you know, he's producing, you know, like you don't go to the classroom to, to not have the dude produce you, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, I would just kind of keep my mouth shut on the couch and, you know, if he had questions then I would be like, yeah. And if it, if it was like a make or break thing, you know, if it was like, no, 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 it has to be, you know, and I tried to buy my soul back, you know, like, no, it has to be like this bill it has to go. Ah. And he's like, well, that makes no sense to me. But Hey, if you think that's how it's supposed to go, <laughs> that's how it's supposed to go. You know, there's certain things that I'll just kind of like really fight for. And, but other, other than that, you know, um, I feel like Bill's, a uh, big role of Bill was to, you know, um, you know, keep us stoked on what we're doing, keep us, um, keep us in that artistic headspace, you know, and keep us, um, keep us feeling like we're ten feet tall while we're doing it. You know, I think it's just so important. You know, when you're making a record, you got to feel like you're kicking ass, even though may, even though you might not be all the time. You know, and he's got a gift for that. He really does. So. As far as guitar playing, I mean, I, I wasn't even aware that you wrote the lion's share of the lyrics. Like you said, that's something I want to talk about as well. But for guitar, I'm a guitarist. I'm a fairly studied guitarist. Now that I'm no longer on tour, I my job is full-time guitar instructor, and I have beginners up through advanced, like all kinds of music theory. Now, when I, when I listen to you play and when I see what you write, it seems like you're one of those guys, but is that the case? <laughs> Uh, de- no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> That's what I, I mean, thought. I'm, I mean, it feels like you, man, mm-hmm. how did he know to go to Dorian here? How did he know how to do this? But it's crazy the amount of people that I talk to that aren't studied, but they pull it off like they're, they've been playing guitar since they were five years old and going to college for it. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what Dorian was until like last year, to tell you the truth. And like, it's, uh, you know, or a Phrygian or Mixolydian and all that stuff. Like, um, I still don't really know that stuff, but I know that they exist. <laughs> You've been playing uh, them for quite a while. It's it's cool that you know what they are now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm just starting to get it. I'm just starting to really get into it. Like I, I got the um, uh, uh, Mike uh, Mike Spina, guitarist. Um, he he gave me like a book. Like um, it was like mix. It's like a. a the freaking name is escaping me right now, but it's basically a bunch of, it's like a compendium of all the scales and stuff like that. So I've been trying to go back, you know, to, uh, more so for, um, for inspiration, you know, get, yeah. get my fingers to do different things that I, you know, isn't used to, but yeah, I mean, I started out as a drummer. Um, I love drums. Uh, it's, it was the instrument that, um, came, it came pretty easily to me at a young age. Um, so really for me, for like the first, like five, first five or six years that I was playing in a band and playing music, like, uh, I was, I was a drummer and I was, uh, and I was writing lyrics pretty much right out the gate, uh, and kind of arranging songs and stuff like that. And then, um, as time went on, I kind of picked up a guitar and then, it, and then, it, and then just, it just sort of makes it make, you know, made sense to make the switch. Yeah. But, um, but really like, it's always been about just kind of like hacking my way through it and then say, Oh wow, that's, that's cool. And, you know, just trying to, trying to psych myself up and psych myself out, you know, so I can come up with cool stuff without thinking about it. You know, that, that's sort of always been like my trick, you know, like, you know, um, I remember one time, like I was watching like, uh, 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get the guitar videos to say like, hey, you know what? Maybe I should really learn this stuff and maybe this stuff will come easier to me. So like I got like a Yngwie Malmsteen tape. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah. It was, yeah. And it was like, whoa. And I'm, I'm looking at his guitar. And I'm like, whoa, that's so crazy. Like he's like, he's, he cut holes in his fretboard. And I wonder what that's all about. It's, it's, it's the scallop fret thing. Have you ever played the scallop neck guitar? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool because you can just push harder and do the bend. Like, it, there's so many weird yeah. little techniques you can do. I'm not good at it at all, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, dude. I mean, that guy. The stuff that guy does is like crazy, you know. And I'm like, wow, you know. And I know he doesn't get a lot of respect. And it's and it's like I don't. I mean, by all accounts, he's. I haven't heard. I heard he's not the coolest guy or whatever. But I, like, I heard but, he's a prick. But his playing is yeah. pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm watching this video and I'm like, all right, you know, you know, what can I pick up from that? And basically, and this is what always happens. I start looking at it and then I and then I put my and then I stop and then I stop playing in the general area. And then I start playing something that is, you know, it's like, wait a minute. No, I can't do that. And then but in my failure of playing that, I come up with something that's cooler to me. Yeah, and that's that's what ends up happening, and that's like the majority of my songs are written that way. Honestly, like I, after writing that, after after watching that that Inve, uh tape, uh, that same day I wrote like one of my favorite songs at the time called uh, William Blake Overdrive. That's on the same Bewprint record, and that's basically tapping because I because I, you know, which ended up and you know the tapping stuff ended up being a pretty a pretty big part of our. Of our songwriting. I mean, you guys even that. have a lot of tapping on the bass too. You don't hear quite a lot of that around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when, and when Brian, when Brian joined the band, that was one thing he, he was, you know, he always tells me, he's like, yeah, I saw how much fun you guys were having tapping, you know? So I wanted to introduce bass tapping to the band, you know, and do, you know, to, 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 to fit right in, which is, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's why a band doesn't have like rules like that. You know, it's like if it, if it makes us giggle, then it, it, it makes the song. You yeah. Know? I, I want to give a shout out cool. to Brian too, man, because when I used to tour with that band up in Canada, I used to see the full blast all the time. And I don't think I had seen a better rhythm section than him and whatever the drummer's name was. They, those guys killed, yeah. killed it. Man. Andy Lewis. Yeah. I, yeah. I just could, I just remember we played some shows with the full blast and I had the record as well. And I'm just like, man, that rhythm section is unreal. So you guys lucked out by yeah. getting him, man. Oh yeah, big time. Oh yeah, big time. And th those guys playing together, like those guys, uh, Andy and Brian are like our best friends, you know. So like they would play all the time. They would play all the time, and they, their practice regimen was really like play all the time. And like the, and, and you know, Smack and Isaiah played with them a lot uh, when we, you know when we go up to Canada and stuff like that. So we, we became fast friends with them. But he always. You know, they always blew us away, you know, and like, you know, especially, uh, especially Brian really blew our minds, you know, so like, uh, yeah, we were very lucky. We're, we're very lucky that, you know, he, he hit me up one, Brian hit me up one day. He's like, Hey, you still looking for a bass player? I think my band's about to break up today or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, uh, hit me up, hit me up, <laughs> hit me up tomorrow. Hit me, you know what I mean? Hit me up if, it, if the band breaks up or whatever, you know? And, you know, so yeah, it's been a lot of, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, whenever we get a new band, you know, a new member in the band, it's always exciting because, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's really no replacing John Tebbs, yeah, you know, yeah. like, you know, there's no replacing that guy. Like he's the best singer ever in the band. Nuno would even say that, you know, like he, uh, Bill called him tone robot. He's just like, <laughs> just because he nailed every note and he was just like real smooth, you know, smooth voice and just uh, a great ear for harmony and a uh, great songwriter, you know? So Brian joined the, uh, Brian joining up with us, uh, back then, like, you know, uh, I think 2006, I think, or 2007, or no, 2005, I think is when 
when Brian joined up, you know, he, he brought a, uh, a different skill set along with him, you know, which, um, which definitely in, influenced what we were doing. So, yeah. I wanted to tell you a story. Actually, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. During that warp tour, I got to be fairly close friends with, I'm not sure if he's still your tour manager, Ray. Oh yeah. Ray Picard. He's yeah. our manager. Oh, your yeah. manager. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he, he's the leader of uh, the band for sure. Well, and I haven't talked to Ray for a very long time, but after that tour, I went out and did a tour where I played bass with Underminded, which was the band that set up the stage that year at, at, at oh, yeah. they were on Kung Fu records. And oh, yeah. uh, when that ended, I was kind of bandless for a while. And I remember you guys were going to Europe. You were looking for a guitarist. This is, you know, eventually you guys got Mike, but I know you had some rotating guitarists through there and Ray yeah. had hit me up and told me to learn like 30 songs. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> so I, I learned like half the songs and I was so excited and they were so much fun to play just sitting in my bedroom with my guitar and my headphones just going crazy. And then like he was supposed to call me and give me details. And then he texted me. He's like, Hey man, this other dude's going to do it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and I don't even know if you guys ever even knew that. I think he was just like making sure he had someone for the, cause like what Ray and yeah. I had talked about was we have no time for you to jam with the guys. You're going to learn all the songs and you're going to meet us in Moscow. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and and then it, it never came to be. And man, I just, I wish it would have, it would have been so much fun, even if it would have been one tour. Cause you guys are like one of my favorite bands. So. Oh man. Oh, Chris, I, 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 <laughs> I think I, I do I don't I don't re recall it, but that probably was something that Ray kind of kept to himself. Yeah, I yeah. think because uh, Ray and I time. Ray and I got to know each other fairly well on Warped, and he yeah. was like, "Hey, man, are you with a band right now?" And I'm like, "Well, no, not really. I'm still playing with certain bands, but no one's doing anything right now." And he's like, yeah. "Well, learn all these songs," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" Oh and I got God. so stoked. <laughs> oh man! Oh Ray! I didn't tell anybody <laughs> though. I, I was I was like, "Man, I'm until this really happens, like the day before I fly to Russia, I'll tell people." <laughs> oh man! Oh boy! But Ooh, he apologized, and it was totally cool. And like two weeks later, I went on a tour. So I just oh, I, that's good. Getting yeah. to, getting to play those songs would have been like so killer, man, because your style is is very similar to how I put like melodies together and you know oh, cool. the finger tapping stuff and the pull-offs and the hammer-ons and the triplets like it would have just been a dream come true so maybe in the future if you ever need a guitarist you got a dude sitting here in Indiana okay Hey, this is Skippy from Pirates Press and Pirates Press Records, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. If you haven't already, please check out rocktheshipfestival.com. Pirates Press is celebrating its 15th anniversary by throwing a punk rock show on the deck of an aircraft carrier here in the Bay Area. We've got Cox Bar, Subhumans, Street Dogs, Off With Their Heads, Monster Squad, The Drowns, and Territories, and seven other club shows to go with it. Tickets are cheap and going fast. That's rocktheshipfestival.com. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. So uh, <laughs> what, what I'd like to ask you is, you know, when you guys formed the band 1999, originally you guys are smacking Isaiah. You changed it to a Wilhelm scream. I think both names are pretty cool, but a Wilhelm scream definitely it definitely is different than what a lot of the bands sound like the name sounded a yeah. lot different. Like at that time, it seemed like everybody had like nine words in their names, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So what, how did you guys, I know what that is. If people don't know, a Wilhelm scream is kind of that, that canned scream that they would play on the old black and white movies. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Is, like back is, in the, back in the fifties, I think is when, is when it was recorded. And you guys just decided upon that or was there a long, like thought out process from changing the name from smack and Isaiah to that? Well, we had a couple, we had a couple different names. I mean, for, I mean, I mean, first of all, like, like it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause like, you know the smack the 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 smack and Isaiah like we had this problem with both you know like with both names smack and Isaiah a lot of people thought that we were like a ska band which is not why it's not <laughs> it, why it kind of sounds it kind of sounds kind of ska ish you know yeah it's even got the apostrophe and the, the whole yeah. deal you know like the skanky pickle or something um, <laughs> and and it's not that we don't like ska I mean love I mean you know I I love ska music I love I love all kinds of shit but like. Um, that's not why we changed, well, we did, we changed the name because like a founding, uh, founding member of the band left the band sort of an unceremonious kind of way and everything. And so we decided, you know, maybe it's probably time to start fresh. You know what I mean? That was like, you know, our band throughout high school and you know, you know how it goes, but like, you know, so then the way a Wilhelm scream kind of came about was, um, my buddy uh, Jared McPhee, um, great artist. He does a lot of our posters still to this day. Old friend of mine. He came up. He he, he said he came up with two with two names. Uh, the first name he came up with was Muprint, which I thought was a really cool name. And the idea behind it was really cool. You know, Muprint. Um, you know, it was like the the print of a movie before sound is added. Yeah. And and um, uh, and then and then the Wilhelm scream, which the Wilhelm scream. You know, having you, it's in like 500 movies, you know, like you were saying, you know, and I, th- I thought that was really cool too. And uh, it's ironic that like that, you know, the smack with Smack and Isaiah, everybody, you know, everybody would say, oh man, I thought you guys were a sky band before I heard, before I heard you guys. Um, and then with the Wilhelm scream, they, they, they're like, oh, I th- we thought you, we, we totally wrote, you know, wrote you guys off. We thought you guys were a crappy screamo, screamo man or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like I hear that and it's like, hey man, I don't know. We just come up with these band names. I mean, like not a lot of, not a ton of thought really when I, you know, it's not like, oh, we got to come up with the best yeah, band name. If it sounds you know? cool, you <laughs> stick with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I listen, I was in a band called the Ataris. Okay. So I totally, oh, hell yeah. I totally understand. Like yeah. when Chris, the singer used to tell me the story, he's like, we had a show back in the day when it was me and a drum machine and, a, and another guitar player. And he was like, we didn't have a name and I love video games. So I just did it <laughs> and it stuck, you know? So uh, names don't Super, really yeah. mean shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the atari is a cool name too yeah i mean and the cool thing was like the band always thought that the atari corporation was gonna like get pissed but they actually yeah. sent a letter and said hey enjoy the name you know because we've changed it just enough we pluralized it you know that's cool see that's <laughs> that's why i changed that's why i made it and i that's why you know we're gonna we're gonna call it the wilhelm scream right yeah and i was like well maybe if we put it a wilhelm scream it's just like we are we're just, oh, there's a Wilhelm scream. You know, you're watching a movie, oh, there's a Wilhelm scream, you know, and, and that would just be us too. And I kind of thought, you know, hey, maybe that's just enough to not get us sued by like George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. because it was his, it was George Lucas's sound designer on all those Star Wars movies that came up with that name for it. His name's Ben Burt is the, the uh, sound. He's like multi Oscar winning, you know, he came up with all the, all the, all the sound effects in Star Wars and everything. And, uh, 
And I was like, and, and then years later, um, uh, a fan of ours, like, uh, from Florida guy, David Ross, super rad dude, shout out David Ross. He, he, he went to a comic book convention and brought like a Wilhelm scream record and brought it to, to, to Ben Burt and Ben Burt signed it. <laughs> signed it like you know like with the you know you know with like with the uh chewbacca sound you know written out that's awesome and, man yeah. and stuff like that and he's like hey all the best you know bell you know ben burt good luck or whatever and and like gate gate gave me that record which is super cool so so yeah i don't think i think if we were going to get sued for that we would have by now so do you guys prefer because i've seen it many ways on records and on the internet and written down is it one long word or is it all three of the words out? Like, you know what I mean? Like evenly spaced. Yeah. Is that how it is? Like, yeah, yeah. I would say just like three words. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people just call us Wilhelm. Some people call us AWS, but usually yeah. not. You, you, usually Wilhelm or, you know, uh, the guys from uh, Iron Reagan call us Dem Dub Boys. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do they call you? Dem dub boys. Dem dub boys. Okay. Yeah. Like the letter W. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Dem dub boys. That's pretty (laughs) awesome, man. So I'm very interested uh, in how you guys actually signed to Nitro because I know when you guys went into the studio with Bill to do mute print, you guys are recording for Jumpstart. So, but then it came out on Nitro. I know they like bought the rights. So, how did that whole relationship kind of come about? Well, we had been chatting with, um, uh, Sean Zebarth, who's the um, one of the one of the A and R guys at Nitro, we had been sort of chatting with him, you know, off and on, and he always liked the band, and it was, and he, he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, keep you know, keep an eye out, you know, for you guys, you know, let me know what you got going on and stuff, and so we knew that we had a contact when the time came when we had new music to see about, you know, see what we do. So like Jeremy from Jumpstart put us in, in the studio and we were, we were, uh, Smack and Isaiah at the time. We like, we went into the blasting room as Smack and Isaiah. We came out of Wilhelm Scream. That's basically the, how the timeline worked out. So we're there. And, um, yeah, like Jeremy from Jumpstart, he, he, he got, he got a loan from the bank basically put us in there. And the whole agreement was like, guys, you know, I just, I just want to see you guys, you know, you know, record with Bill and Jason, you know, I'd, I'd love to see what, what, you know, what, you know, what could happen from that, from that little partnership and stuff. And, and then, and then see where it goes. And if, and if, uh, and if a bigger label wants to pick you up, then, then cool, you know, just have him, you know, buy me out, give me one of the songs to put on a seven inch or whatever, and you know, you know, take it from there. You know what I mean? Um, just like a, you know, a friendship, yeah. you know? So what ended up happening was, you know, we did the record and then, um, and then we got it. We 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 got it in Sean's hands. And then Sean, you know, went to uh, Dexter. Was his name's real name's Brian, but Dexter Holland from uh, the Offspring, owner of the Nitro, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I like this. Let's do it." You know, so that's, that's awesome. pretty much. Yeah, and and it was pretty much hands off. I mean, it was the thing that was cool about Nitro is that they really let us do whatever the hell we wanted to do. I mean. They they always seem like a great label. I remember talking to the guys from AFI and like different bands Mm -hmm. that were on Nitro and no one I talked to ever had a bitch about the label at all. No, no. I mean, I mean like, you know, Dexter wasn't hands off. Like I would imagine Uh, he wasn't as hands on as I would imagine maybe like fat Mike or Brett Gerowitz would be, you know, with fat and epitaph, you know, he, he wasn't like super hands on like that. Um, but 
he was whatever we needed he was like yeah do it you know what i mean like like whatever we wanted for ads or you know uh artwork you know he was like pretty you know he was on board and just you know allowed his staff to do what they do best you know like when 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 we joined when we joined up with that label they were they had eight people on staff full time so they had like you know they had like lexi doing doing the like uh all the publicity for every for everybody and then they had rick in the warehouse always and basic and you know mitch was the other a and r guy and you know a bunch of people chris like tons tons of people working there all the time and uh you know fulfilling their different roles as a label and then you know our second record they were down to i think you know they lost a couple people and didn't fill the positions because around that time, you know, we're talking about talking about the early to mid two thousands, you know, the record industry was plummeting as yeah. we know it, yeah. you know, and nobody was buying records anymore. It was all Napster or whatever. And so a lot of the, these full-time, you know, positions were just getting, you know, they just had to uh, phase them out. So then by the time our third, our third album um, with them, Career Suicide, but there was, it was just, it was just Sean and Rick in the warehouse. Like that was it. There was nobody else really on staff anymore, you know? And, and we, and, you know, we saw the writing on the wall, you know what I mean? We're like, wow, you know, we see, we see what's happening here. Um, So what I did was I, you know, I went to Sean and I said, Hey, listen, man, like, you know, we're about to do our third record. And like, I know how much these albums cost, you know what I'm saying? I know how much the promotion costs, you know, like we're not let's face it you know we're not you know you know we're, we're not writing freaking hit radio songs here you know what i mean we're, we're, we're like an art we're like an artsy punk band you know like we go for the art bill uh bill had a word for us uh, a couple words for us he calls it he called my songwriting style avoid success <laughs> you know so i think that says it all oh yeah man. you know yeah definitely yeah so you know, so I gave him the opportunity. I said, Hey, you know, let us go, you know, you know, maybe, you know, give us the opportunity, you know, while, you know, while the iron was hot, so to speak, you know, because we got a lot of buzz from our second record ruiner. Um, we got a lot more, you know, interest from a lot of people, you know, digging the band and, you know, wanting to work with the band and stuff. So I basically put them, I put it to them like that. You know what I mean? Like if you, how many records were you guys signed on for? Like, what was the contract like? We were signed on for three. Okay, so you're signed on for three. You were wanting yeah. you were wanting them to let you out of that third one. Is that what you're saying? Or yeah, I was giving them the. I, I wasn't. I, I, you I were trying to. Like I was like, no, you were trying to be like, you know, the industry's tanking. We're not going to be Fallout Boy. So yeah, I, I get what you're pretty saying. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm pretty much saying like, hey, listen, you know, like our third album. And honestly, our third album, I don't think was what the label was expecting. I don't yeah. think it was what it wasn't what our agent was expecting. Um, it, they didn't expect us to make a freaking melodic punk record, you know, a fast <laughs> melodic punk record. You know what I mean? But that was that was where inspiration took us. You know what I mean? I didn't want to just make a fast melodic punk record. I wanted to make the fucking best one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's where that's where our heads were at. You know, our heads really weren't at like, oh, I want to make the you know, I want to have this killer song that could, that has mass appeal. You know what I mean? I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make what I would 
feel like my favorite record would be when I was a kid. Yeah, I sort get of. That. I get that. I mean, you guys have always been very consistent. There hasn't been like, you know, oh, here's our oh, new thanks. reggae song. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all we definitely put a lot into it. And, you know, sometimes when you put so much into it, you know, you, it's easy to have horse blinders on. And, you know, that is definitely how it works with us. You know what I mean? So like, we're not really thinking a lot of the time. We're not thinking about the big picture and, and really, you know, sometimes that, that doesn't end with record sales success, you know what I mean? And yeah. which is okay, which is okay with us. You know, that's another thing it's, you know, so I wanted to be upfront with them about it. They knew, they knew what they were dealing with, you know? So Sean said, all right, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Dexter. And then, he talked to he talked to he talked to him and and basically he's like, well, Brian still wants to keep you guys, you know, he still wants to do this last one. And I'm like, all right, man, fucking a, and <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm stoked on it. I'm stoked then, you know, because I thought it was really cool that he that he wanted to keep us because he let everyone else go. <laughs> you yeah, know I mean? you know, he let everyone. He gave everyone the option to go. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to say he booted everybody off the label except for us, but he made it so it would be easy for everybody, but he didn't want to let us go. So I don't know. Maybe we maybe we were the, maybe he liked having us as the cool artsy band that didn't sell a lot of records. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you guys had to have sold a decent amount of records. I mean, I know on that yeah, label, okay. AFI did really, really crazy numbers and there were probably a couple other bands that did like Tiger Army or whoever, but I'm sure yeah. you I'm sure you guys held your own in the record sales department. Yeah, I think we did okay. I think we did okay. Yeah. So I wanted to talk after Ruiner on 2000, 2005's record you guys released on Nitro. You guys did your first European tour with Lagwagon. I know you oh, yeah. guys when I think of a band that kind of gets around everywhere, I think of a Wilhelm Scream. I know you guys have, you know, done South America and Australia and parts of Asia and Europe like all the time. What was it yeah. like that first time going over there, especially with a band like Lagwagon? It was amazing. I mean, fuck. I mean, not only I mean, you know, we had never met them before, so we didn't really know what to expect, you know, from a big band, but they couldn't have been nicer. Like just the most, you know, the best dudes. Um, very, very welcoming, very supportive of, you know, what we were doing and stuff. And, um, the crowd, the, the crowds were great. I mean, the, the venue, the venues were awesome. You know what I mean? Um, we, you know, it wasn't that much of a shock tour wise, you know, like, you know, a lot of people say, oh man, first time I went on tour, like, you know, oh, we were in a, we were in a van, had no heat. We, everybody got sick and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Yes, that's exactly how ours went as well, but we're used to that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This was not a shock to us. Like, you know, we, I mean, especially um, in, in the early days of Wilhelm, like, we would go where other bands wouldn't go at certain times of year, you know? Like, what band goes to Fargo, North Dakota in January? Just us. <laughs> I will you tell you I mean? that I've been on a tour in Canada in February and it was no fun. <laughs> Oh man, it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Right. But 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 I will say, like you know, there's a reason why we kept doing it because we'd show up to like a place in the middle of nowhere, and like 300 kids would show up and yeah. lose their shit, and we'd have so much fun, and and like people people would remember us from the last time we were there, and like I think we all fell in love with just touring, you know, for for reasons 
like that, you know, where, you know, it's, p- people appreciate what you do and, and, and sure, everybody, get, everybody's getting sick. We don't have insulation in the van. So the van is like creating like ices on the walls and stuff that we can, you can scratch the ice off, you know, <laughs> the wall and everything. So like, so like going to, going to Europe and like touring in a sprinter van and like, you know, getting no, you know, no sleep and, you know, with the bus tour routing and stuff like that, like we're all used to that. So it was all like total gravy. Like it was, we had the time of our lives. It was so dope, it, you know, and like, you know, especially like playing with Lagwagon, you know, was like, especially badass. Cause like, you know, we're all, we were all big fans of Lagwagon, but also big fans of RKL. Oh yeah, definitely, know? man. Yeah. Because like that, cause you know, and like the early no effects stuff, especially, you know, that stuff just sounds like dudes that just smoked a lot of weed did a lot of speed and just fucking practiced guitar, you know, just jammed in the jammed in the practice space and made the coolest songs they could. Well, it's that, it's that that's ex, what all those bands sounded like to that me. That ex Hesher thing, where like all those bands that signed to Fat at the beginning all loved metal, like they were punk rock bands, but they loved mm-hmm. metal. And when I hear you guys, like that influence is definitely there, sometimes to a heightened degree than some of those other bands. So you know, seeing you guys on tour with Lagwagon would have been amazing because, you know, you got Chris and, and everybody up there playing all those metal riffs just like you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like, see, like watching them play was just like out, out of, out, like crazy, you know, because it's like, it's like, for, like, like first off, yeah, you know, of course it's like the virtuosity of what everybody's doing. They're all virtuos, but what they do, you know, like, I mean, everyone, I think uh, Jesse was the bassist at the time and, uh, you know, just, just for, just virtuosos here like just killing it on just just killing it but also they sounded amazing you know like watching them from the side of the stage the sound of of uh flip's guitar in his monitor sounded fucking so good like i'll never i'll never forget that you know what i mean it's like dude why doesn't my guitar sound good (laughs) that monitor when i play what the fuck you know (laughs) and like so they had they checked all the boxes for a band and, and you know it's pretty obvious you know why you know I don't know how long they've been around for a real long time and that's why you know they always del- they always deliver you know and yeah yeah I think so that I think really they, we're very fortunate they're very similar like we were just talking about the virtuosity of like how people play I think that yeah. only takes you to a certain level because if you're doing that you basically just become a band that other bands want to watch. But I, yeah. I think the thing that Lagwagon has, the thing that you guys have, the thing that Strung Out has, is that you have the virtuosity, but you also know how to write songs. Oh, thanks. And I mean, yes. that's just that's the one thing that always connected with me, with your band and those early fat bands. I love metal, man. I grew up with Metallica, Maiden, Megadeth, all that stuff. But mm. it was like take out all of the bullshit and put all that really cool virtuosity into a song that's concise and has melody and is catchy. I think that's where you guys and those other bands take it. Cool. Yeah. Cheers. I mean, I honestly, like I, I, I got, I got, I came to metal pretty late in life. Honestly, if I'm to be honest, when I like growing up, I was always into music. My dad's a musician. Like my, you know, my dad was into great bands. Your dad dad owns a recording studio, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's owned a recording studio in in uh in his in his in his house like since I was a little kid. That's awesome. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we record a lot of a lot of our stuff with him and um all our demos and everything like that as well um in later years. But like he, you know, he would 
I would get stoked on stuff that he got stoked on, you know, and, and he loved all kinds of, he loved all kinds of shit, like, like, like alternative rock stuff that was dope, you know, that, that I thought was amazing that I still listen to, you know, like, you know, bands like Catherine Wheel, the Pixies, um, Nirvana, of course, um, the Clash. Um, so like a, a, a lot of the other types of music, I was only really exposed to maybe Iron Maiden because of my uncle, my yeah. uncle Jim, my, 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 my dad's brother, who was also, you know, also a major influence on, 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 on me at a young age. Um, so like I knew how awesome those bands were and I, and, and I knew how awesome Metallica was obviously because Metallica was a huge band when we were kids, you know? Um, so, but as far as like getting into, uh, as far as incorporating that into songs that I would want to write or want to play, it was honestly at the gates and in flames in high school, oh, man. like Such great getting bands. into high school. <laughs> Yeah, dude, Slaughter, like, Slaughter of the Soul was one of my favorite records of all time, man. Oh hell yeah! For me, like it was like I think the first thing that I heard from, uh, I think uh, as far as In Flames, I mean Slaughter of the Soul, yeah, incredible. I mean fucking at, at the gates. I mean at the gates is so cool because like they're not not only like you know all you know shredding all over the place, but they also have that like punch like punch you in the face hardcore thing. Oh yeah, which yeah. I was which I was very like. That's what we grew up around, especially around here in the Northeast. It was all about hardcore music. We, like Smack and Isaiah would be the only punk band playing. You know, we'd be like the pop band playing these hardcore shows, you know, with all these like crazy, crazy hardcore bands. You know, so like it was always a big part of like our DNA anyway. But like hearing that shit, it was like, holy fuck, dude. Like this is not just like floor punching music. This is also like shredding thrashy music i'm always know? i'm always amazed at when like i have friends that listen to metalcore like you know like mid 2000s mm-hmm. metalcore like poison the well or whatever you want to say and yeah, then I'm, yeah. I'm like do you listen to at the gates and like no what's at the gates and then if i Ooh, play, yeah. if i play them at the gates they're like is this a new band i'm like no this came out <laughs> so long ago man it just hell yeah i think it's kind of timeless like and it influenced a lot of bands that have never even heard the band before Oh, oh, definitely. And like, really like, you know, I mean, hearing at the gates and I, I probably heard in flames first Yeah, and I probably, I probably came, came around to a band like at the gates because I'm like, Whoa, why does this band sound the way they do? Oh, because they're all about at the gates. Okay. I'll check out at the gates. You yeah, know, that's yeah. sort of how, that's sort of how it all went down, you know, but for in flames in flames is like definitely the entryway to that. That's like the gateway drug to that kind of music, I think, because it's so melodic it's so catchy in that melodic way. You almost don't really care about the singing because like, yeah. it's, it's just a, it's just an overall symphony of like cool shit going down. Um, those bands just always made me want to go to Scandinavia. So when I finally got to Scandinavia, I was like, it's just going to be a metal land, but it's not really like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you oh, have these dreams when you're young, you're like, Oh, all these, all the death metal bands are from Florida. Like, well, there's you don't just walk down the street and see death metal bands. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, oh, there's Darkest Hour, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Although I did meet Darkest Hour in Orlando one time. So that's probably why they came to mind. There you go. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, like way back, like way back in, you know, way back in the day, super nice dudes, I remember. But I remember they had, they sort of had that sound too. So like my ear was very attuned to that kind of thing because, you know, the melody really got to me. It was almost like the almost classical kind of like Castlevania style music yeah. that I thought was really neat. And it was from, seemed like it was from another world, you know what I mean? And it was sort of like an answer to Iron Maiden, which I also love um, for, you know, for a lot of what they do, but also particularly for that, the, 
the harmonized guitar stuff, you know, I mean, Iron Maiden would be the granddaddy of them all, I would guess, I would say, but, um, but yeah, I mean, listen to, you know, Clayman or like, uh, the, for the very first song I ever heard from like in flames was, uh, beyond space. <laughs> like when I heard that, I was like, Holy shit, I want to punch every window out in this car oh, yeah. right now. This is so, this is so cool. So that had a big influence on what we were doing. And I'm talking about like graduate, like graduation year in high school. You know what I mean? Like yeah. probably, you know, like 97 or whatever is really when, when I was exposed to that stuff. And that had a big influence on the kind of stuff that we made after that. You know what I mean? But, like I said, it was like, we're essentially writing aggressive pop songs, you know? So like, it's not going to, we're not, they're not going to say, Oh man, Oh man, they're a freaking in flames rip off. It's like, no, you take everything, <laughs> you know, you take as, as much as you can from influence from cool shit and just put it through your own filter. And, and there you go. But that was, that, that was, uh, that, that was big for me. Those bands were, were just kind of blew my mind at, you know, at 18 years old, you know? Well, hey, I tell you what, man, I've had you on the phone for quite a while. I know you've got a recording session coming up. Uh, so I have some listener questions that we'll end this out with, if that's cool with you. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of what we were just speaking of, the bands that influenced you, Scott, one of my listeners from New Zealand, wants to know, first nice. off, he wants to say hello. And then he also What's says, up, Scott? <laughs> he says, what guitarist do you admire? Oh, uh, great. Great question, Scott. What's up, New Zealand? Freaking love New Zealand. Can't wait to get back there. Um if I had to, if I had to put a number one guitarist, um, also one of my number one favorite bands in general, as well, would be Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Junior. Oh, he's so good. Oh man, like um, he's not the best interview, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. I mean, like I was scared to go up to him, and I didn't, and he didn't even pick up his head anyway. Like it was on my birthday a couple years ago, we were on tour in uh, England. They were playing, so we all went we all went to a, to a random show and we ended up drinking in a, in a, in a hotel after the show and in walks Jay Maskus looking like a wizard, but like his head is so, if his head was any lower to the ground, he would be like laying face first on the ground as he was walking. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like he did not pick up his head at all. So I'm just, I'm just looking for that one little glimmer, you know, him to look over for that one little opening for me to go and just say what's up to him was something. And I'm not like that. I don't go up to people ever, but I would have that. I would have that day for sure. But he never looked up and I was like, okay, I'm not going to go do that. Cause <laughs> you know, they say, don't meet your heroes sometimes. Oh dude. So, I know when I, when I met Metallic, I was so scared. They're going to let me down. They didn't, but I was super freaked out. And I wanted to also put out there if, if Jay ever hears this, I'm not saying you're not a great interview. I've I've had some friends that have interviewed him and he's, he's very quiet and even keeled. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but I, as a, as a, as a songwriter, as a guitarist, this guy, oh, he's just, amazing. He's he best. never lets me down. Oh my God. Like everything, everything that he comes out with, I love and his style, you know, I remember the, the, the uh, Lemonheads record that Bill and Bill and Carl played on, um, that like, I didn't, I had no idea that Jay Maskus played on that. But like, as soon as like a lead part came up, I'm like, yo, that's Jay Maskus. And I looked in the liner notes. Sure enough, it's Jay Maskus. I'm like, holy fucking shit! Like, it's just he's just one of those easily identifiable uh, guitar tones that I just want to go on that journey 
with him on, on, you know, on his, you know, whether it's just him, you know, playing one of his crazy solos or, you know, always melodic or even when he's just doing like the, like the uh, finger picking stuff, yeah, the jangly stuff and all doing this while singing. Um, all, he's always blown me away. Um, also, uh, Adrian Smith from uh, uh, Iron Maiden. Hell yeah. Yeah. He's another one. Um, I got to give props to him because like, that's a big part of what I'm, of what I'm into, you know, like that, you know, the Iron Maiden slash um, Thin Lizzy type tone. And the guitar, like, the guitar minis, right? the guitar minis. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't get enough of that shit. Like I just love that shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, if I had, yeah, those, those two would be a definite. And then, you know, there's all, you know, um, yeah, I can't, I can't think past, I can't think past Jay Maskus though right now. Yeah. Those are, I, those are two awesome, awesome guys. And two of my main influences too, man. That's great. Oh, sick, sick. So I've got one more, uh, listener question and, uh, Killer. this is from Matthew in Arizona. And, uh, he, awesome. he also wants to say hello to you. <laughs> What's up, Matthew. And he wants to know what your favorite venue in new England is in new England. That's oh, got to be a tough one because that's your neck of the woods, man. That is a tough one. That's, um, yeah, I'll have to, hmm, I'll have to do like a. Maybe do like a top like, three or top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me do like a top three. Okay. Uh, in Boston, there's a few that I love if we're talking Boston. Um, Boston, I would say um, the Middle East is always so much fun. Love um, the Middle East, man. Great fun. Yeah, that venue is so cool. Um, we've been playing the Middle East pretty much ever since right out the gate. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, especially, you know, I mean, Smack and Isaiah who couldn't sell out a shoebox, you know, like they'll fuck it. You know, we sold out the Middle East, you know, and yeah. stuff like, you know, you know what I mean? So like that, those type of things always hold a big, big, uh, you know, place in my heart. Uh, also, um, I really like the Sinclair in Cambridge, Boston. Okay. That, places really dope um all the people um the the crew there are like always super awesome super super welcoming the sound is dope it's like a brand new system it's a fairly new venue um out there um those two come to mind for sure and then i i gotta mention the vet the new venue um in our hometown in new bedford um we got a venue called um it's called the vault okay and at a, it's attached to a restaurant called the Greasy Luck, and they they had been around for a while, but like we didn't know, you know, it's probably like a 400 capacity venue, and you know, we we had been like kind of flirting with the idea of playing there, but you know, we didn't know because we didn't know about the ownership at the time or whatever, you know, and 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 stuff like that. But you know, finally, you know, like um, shout out to Roger at Purchase Tree Records for uh, kind of being the liaison, sort of like making it bringing us together with this venue. Um, yeah, the venue is great. I mean, it, um, it's fucking dope. And it's like also one of those things where like we had a 20, uh, uh, 15th anniversary. Was it 15? Yeah. 15th anniversary of the Mute Print record coming up. And Ray was like, Hey, we should do like a show. You know, you know, we should do a show, you know, it's kind of coming up and we're like, all right, um, cool. And, and it was sort of like Roger said, Hey, how about this venue? And we're like, 
yeah, all right, we'll give it a shot. You know, we'll see, you know, we'll see what, see what happens. It's, it's like, oh, they love to have you guys. You guys are like the local, you know, the hometown heroes or whatever. And I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. So, you know, we, we got together as a band and we said, all right, we're going to do this marketing scheme. All right. We're going to fucking say like, we're, first we're going to put a teaser out. We're going to say, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to play, you know, and then we're going to, th- then we're going to put out another photo here saying, Hey, what do you think if we did, you know, like teasers to that we're going to bother put a show on in New Bedford. And we ended up, we, we tickets went on sale. It sold out in 15 hours. We didn't have to do any promotion whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um, we sold the venue out and it was like, and it was pretty cool because, you know, we had at this venue, we had the, the, the fastest sellout in the history of the venue. Wow. Which to me, it's like, yeah, you're goddamn right. That's all, you know, like this is our town, you know, like, you know, like, you know, we get, get arrogant that way, but it, it, it was also, you know, it just, it was just fitting, you know what I mean? And like, that was pretty special because, you know, playing that show, you know, you see every, we saw every face over the years from places, you know, when, when we would play like garages downtown, you know, or the VFW downtown or whatever, but it was like, everybody's older and got together for this thing. And, uh, so that, so this, this new place also in New Bedford also kind of holds a big, you know, place in our heart. Cause you know, we sold the place out faster than Ace Freely did. So wow, hey, That's awesome, man. We're bigger than Kiss. You're bigger than Kiss, man. That's great. <laughs> so, Hey man, I've had you on the phone for quite a while and you've got stuff going on later. So I just have a couple more questions. What does the future hold for the band? I know, you know, there, what was the last record came out in 2013 party crasher. You guys have anything yeah. else coming out like soon that I can look forward to my listeners can look forward to. Well, we're in writing mode right now. Um, and have been in writing. I've been in writing mode all year pretty much. And, uh, I knew we were supposed to do this a while, like, uh, this podcast a while back, but like, you know, I, I'd say, Hey man, like, I'm in writing mode and when I <laughs> am writing mode, I can't even like work a toaster oven. Like, oh, I got it, man. I totally it's all understand. I think about, you yeah. know, I'm sure you're the same way when you're writing music. It's like, it's, it's all encompassing. I wake up and it's what I think about, you know, and it's kind of like all I, all I, you know, that's the only way that I know how to do it. That's the only way I yeah. know how to do it successfully for this band. You know what I mean? Cause it's, you know, it's sort of like, uh, how do you prepare for the unexpected, you know, like from our, from our perspective, you know what I mean? Cause I, I, I don't want to know where this song is going. Cause that means I'm probably not going to like this song in a year. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I, I got to fall in love with this shit. So yeah, we're kind of like, um, I think we got 16, 16 ideas in different stages. Um, I'd like to even do, do some more. Um, I was flirting with the idea of a double record. Uh, I don't know if that we're going to do the double record or not, but, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now, you know, writing, um, we got some shows coming up. We, we're doing like the Blasting Rooms 25th anniversary uh, show in November with like Descendants and All and Rise Against, Ar- Ar- Armchair, Mar- uh, Armchair Martian, Audio Karate, a bunch of bands. Wow. Um, we're doing Fest in Gainesville again this year. Um, and we're going to do, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but we're going to do some shows in New Bedford at the at that vault. We can probably, we're going to do a couple nights there. Um and um finishing up uh the uh recording studio that i'm building in my home that's cool um yeah so it's like a commercial facility that um we're in a sort of commercial zone downtown here in new bedford so i'm kind of like uh going through all the motions with the city 
uh, <laughs> permitting all the and permits everything. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. But now, now that that's all sorted out, you know, like all the walls are up now. So just taking the stages. So right, right when that's done, we're going to do a new record and then, uh, and then hit it again. I'm, 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 I'm super excited about the album. I mean, me and, you know, I had Nuno and Nick over, um, this weekend and we just kind of went over all the ideas that we have and we're real jazzed. I mean, I think that, I think that our fan base is going to be really, I, th- I think everybody's going to be pretty happy. I, 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 I feel like it's going to be worth the wait. I know that we're stoked on it and I know that we're the hardest to please. So yeah, that's pretty much everything. Awesome. We got, yeah. I, I know I'm excited, man, but uh, what, uh, what are the socials for the band? Can, is there a website that everybody could check you guys out at? Or do you know the socials? Uh, yeah, we got um, a wilhelmscream.com is like the, site i think we have all the links to the socials on there and like uh tour dates and stuff but you know we're on you know we're on instagram i think a wilhelm scream official i think probably and i think facebook is probably the same thing a wilhelm scream official um but yeah i think we're even on twitter but none of us have none of us have like you like used it i haven't used my instagram in like three weeks i don't even know what the hell is going on on there that's it's 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 tough because it's like I don't know, like the distraction, it's a, it's a distraction. I like it, but you know, it's also kind of like, it's, it's hard a, to get It's a time done. killer, especially if you're trying to write music and stuff, you get distracted with so stupid social media. I know that like I do a lot of social media for the podcast because since mm-hmm. the podcast is, you know, gained steam and we've got a lot of listeners now, I tend to do everything for the podcast. Then I'll look and I'm like, Oh, I haven't posted anything on my personal page for two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up with it, and like, and, and and you see the people that do keep up with it. It's like there's a reason why they keep up with it. It's because they hired they hired people to yeah. do, to keep up with it, you know. And and it's like that's just you know, um, you know, maybe we'll get do that, you know, at some point. But it's just like, well, I, I feel kinda, like you guys have such loyal, like such a loyal fan base. Like I know a lot of friends of mine that are just. I mean, like I'm a huge fan, but I just, I've talked to people that are fans of your band and I feel like they don't really give a shit. <laughs> like, awesome. Like I, <laughs> I feel like you guys could just get rid of all your socials and just have your tour dates on the website and you'd be fine. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, that's good. That's, that's, that's good. To, that's, that's good to know. We're, maybe, we're, maybe we're, don't we're, do that. I just think, you'd be, <laughs> I just think you'd be okay if that happened though. I wouldn't even know how to do that. <laughs> if, if if it came down to it, I wouldn't even know how. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug to my listeners? No, no. I just want to say thanks. You know, this was this was a lot of fun. I think this was the first podcast I've ever done. Awesome. So <laughs> it was great. You know, you're. I love the show. Um, I listen. I listen to. You know, like I said, I listened to some some episodes like this week. You know, and uh, yeah, really dig it. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work. And I just want to say thanks to everybody listening and everybody supporting the band. And you know, uh, Wilhelm Scream 2020. I mean, it's gonna. You know, if we've been quiet now, but you know, <laughs> man, next year you're gonna be like, man, oh fuck, these guys again. Well, dude, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm telling you, when the, when the new stuff's getting ready to come out, you got to come back and talk about it with us, okay? I will for sure, absolutely, man. And if you ever need a guitarist, you got my number, bro. <laughs> Dude, I'll definitely, I'll definitely keep that in mind, Chris. Sure. I probably still know the fifteen that I had to remember back in the day. So. Well, I know you, I know you ripped. So, I mean, and 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 and, congrats on everything you got going on with the 
with the podcast and with the with the lessons and everything. I think that's fucking dope. Oh well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And this has been an honor for me. Like I know we've met a few times and we're kind of you know Facebook buddies or whatever, but. I really, sure. I love the band. You guys have really made a difference in my life. I'm a fan, and I just want to say thanks for the art, man. Thank you. That means the world to me to hear that, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, man. Awesome talk. Awesome talking to you, Chris. And yeah, let's do it again soon. Yep. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have a good night. You too, man. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Trevor Riley from A Wilhelm Scream. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And man, I love Wilhelm Scream. It I always play music at the end of these episodes and trying to pick a song from a Wilhelm Scream that I wanted to play was a nightmare. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll play like five songs. I'm like, ah, the episode's already like an hour and a half long. So I'm going to choose a song. I'm going to tell you about that here in a second. I do want to thank you guys so much for the support and coming back week in and week out. The show has been growing like crazy and I've been getting all kinds of great emails and just so much feedback and I really appreciate that. I do want to give a shout out out a shout out out a shout out to our new producer Punk Rock Bob Foster. You can hit up Punk Rock Bob Foster at Punk Rock Bob Foster on Instagram. And uh, he got involved at the producer tier on our Patreon. So uh, you guys check that out, patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast and support the show if you think that what we do is worth some of your hard-earned money. Maybe you can help us out. Also check out our sponsors, The Merch Planet, Permanence Tattoo Gallery, and Merge for Socks. And uh, make sure to check out Black Cat Manor, the band that sponsored this episode. They are amazing. And I'm going to get out of here next week on the show. It's probably one of my favorite episodes yet. Rody Walker, vocalist for Protest the Hero. Yes, Protest the Hero. Amazing band. I can't even I can't say enough good things about Protest the Hero and about Rody. We had such a great time talking and you're going to have to wait about a week to hear it, but it will be out next week and you can enjoy it and it was so much fun. I love talking to Rody, and I'm trying to get Rody right now to uh, maybe do like his own segment on the show, like jokes with Rody. So if you think that's a good idea, hit him up on Instagram and tell him he should do a new segment on the show. But I'm going to get out of here and uh, make sure that you're subscribed and rating and reviewing us. That really helps us out and helps us gain visibility and helps the show continue to grow. But that's it, man. It's late. I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep, but not before I play a song by a Wilhelm scream. And like I said, it was really, really hard to find like what song I was going to show, but I got into the band before they were Wilhelm scream. But the, the album that really did it for me was mute print their, their debut record on nitro. And, uh, I'm going to play one of my favorite songs off mute print. This song is called a picture of the world. It's so good. There's so many little pieces and the guitar parts are so great. And Nuno's vocals are so great. I've actually been talking to Nuno and uh, he's going to be on the show soon as well. We're trying to get that set up and uh, that'll be fun too. <laughs> I'm just going to talk to everybody I've ever wanted to talk to and you guys get to be there with me on this journey. So thank you guys once again. I'm going to leave you with this. This is a Wilhelm scream, a picture of the world. And I will see you guys next week with Mr. Rody Walker from Protest the Hero. See ya! I was fucking up, ending up the reins to you. 
I know the bodies, but I can't play slaves, so I should be forgetting you. It's a cathartic song.
The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.